the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to hour number two of the Bruce Woolley Show. Glad to have you along. Whether it is on 94.5 in Dayton or 98.9 in Columbus. Uh, we covered the student loan bailout hour number one. The justices at the Supreme Court seem highly skeptical of it. If standing is established, that is, if those who are filing the action can prove they've been damaged by it, uh, it looks like Joe Biden will have won the triple crown of unconstitutionality. His vaccine mandate was unconstitutional. His rent moratorium was unconstitutional. And showing his versatility, now his student loan bailout will likely be deemed unconstitutional. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray was a guest on Special Report last night. Brett Baer got to go over to the FBI and interview uh, the director. And Christopher Wray said that the FBI believes with strong probability that COVID escaped from a lab in China. Hmm. This will not play well at the podium in the White House. I would imagine Chris, uh, Kira, what's her name? Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, will be asked about it today, and she will do what she does every day. She will stutter. She will stammer. She will read. She will lie. She will stutter. She will stammer. She will read. She will rely. That is her go-to plan of attack every single day. Now, and Brett Baer got more out of Christopher Ray last night than just that the FBI believes with strong probability that COVID emanated from a lab. Brett Baer also pressed him on a couple of things. Number one, the double standard in the Justice Department. The double standard in the Justice Department, right? Hunter Biden laptop. Eh, we're not going to take that seriously. But, oh, Donald Trump classified documents. Miralago, hmm, yeah. And then Joe Biden had classified documents. Have I missed the picture of the classified documents in Joe Biden's garage being spread out all over the floor to make them look like Donald Trump just left his documents strewn willy-nilly on the floor of the closet at Mar-a-Lago, which was guarded by Secret Service agents? I have missed that picture because there has been no such picture of Joe Biden's classified documents, whether they were at the Biden Center for the laundering of Chinese millions or whether they were in his garage in Delaware or whether they were in any of the other locations where classified documents have been found. There appears to be a double standard with the FBI enforcing things on those it does not like compared to the way that it smiles upon things that it does like. And the other aspect that Brett Baer talked about was something that showed up in one of the many releases from the Twitter files. Matt Taibbi, the journalist, found that, oh, look at this, look at this. An FBI field office is contacting Twitter saying, hey, we need you to ban these accounts. These accounts are putting information out there that we don't like. You need to ban accounts. So here's Brett Baer asking Chris Ray, the FBI director, about the FBI banning accounts by calling up Twitter or emailing Twitter or notifying Twitter that it wants certain accounts taken down. Let's talk about the FBI 
and what you told big tech or some agent about the authenticity and providence of Hunter Biden's laptop. What about that from an FBI perspective? The FBI does not, is not in the business of functioning as the truth police. Understood. So we don't tell social media companies to censor anything. Well, or the Twitter file suggests something different. I mean, there was an FBI request numerous times. Um, Taibbi puts it out, FBI San Francisco request to ban certain accounts. Uh, Twitter personnel in this case went on to look for reasons to suspend all four accounts that the FBI wanted to ban or, or suspend. Um, was Is it appropriate to flag social media accounts for on Twitter or elsewhere due to politics or uh, government policies when it comes to COVID? Uh, is it appropriate in any way? You're saying it doesn't happen, but there's evidence that it had. We don't tell social media companies to ban accounts. But you suggest. Well, what we do is tell social media companies about information that we have about foreign disinformation campaigns by foreign actors, by foreign intelligence services. So that's a non-denial denial. That's like a police officer. If you're getting out of your car and you start to walk across the street, that's like a police officer saying, hey, you know you're not allowed to jaywalk, right? Now, are you going to jaywalk in that situation? No, you're not. So Chris Ray is saying, and we don't tell them what to do, but we remind them, oh, there are foreign actors out there that say this kind of thing, and this account is saying this kind of thing. We're not telling you to take it down, but... Now, there's another great example of the double standard at the FBI, of course. It is, if you recall, the discussion we had on this show about the armed arrest of pro-life activist Mark Houck. Mark Houck was the guy in Philadelphia who was praying and walking around and protesting, you know, quietly protesting. His mere presence was a protest against the abortion clinic in Philadelphia. He was there with his son. And then a guy who was escorting women into the center initiated a confrontation with Mark Houck, came over, accosted him, said things about Mark Houck to Mark Houck's son. Mark Houck said, hey, leave my kid alone. Get out of here. And they had a little shoving match. Philadelphia didn't file charges. Oh, but a few months later, oh, the Justice Department comes in and says, hey, you know, you violated the FACE Act, which allows people access to abortion clinics. So the FBI showed up at Mark Houck's door at 7 o'clock in the morning with guns and vests and SUVs aplenty and raided it while Mark Houck, who posed no security threat to anyone, was perp-walked out of the house in front of his wife and kids. Brett Baer brought that up to Chris Ray. All right, so let's talk about by the book. Mark Houck, Pennsylvania pro-life activist, arrested at his home in front of his family for an alleged violation of the Freedom of Access of Clinics Act, alleged incident which he was protesting in front of an abortion clinic. He was recently acquitted of all charges at trial. The show of force for that arrest, that decision to use that force, was that by the book? Those decisions are made as they should be by the commanders on the ground in the field office who have the expertise about when to conduct operations safely and securely for the safety of everybody involved. And to my knowledge, those processes were all followed in this case. You know, years and years and years and years ago, you might remember a comedian, Freddie Prinze. Anybody remember Freddie Prinze? Freddie Prinze died tragically. Freddie Prinze 
came to prominence with a little tag phrase that he used all the time. It's not my job. Freddie Prince would say, it's not my job. That's what Chris Ray's saying right there. What about rating a pro-life activist with guns drawn and SUVs rolling up on his house 7 o'clock in the morning, bam, 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 on the door, kids are freaking out. What, why are they taking daddy out of here in handcuffs? Chris Ray's like, ah, those decisions are made to feel. In other words, it's not my job. Now, Brett Bear followed up, and he committed a mistake when he kept talking. He should have just asked to follow up and gone stone silent and forced Christopher Ray to answer it. But he kept talking, and then Ray wiggled out of trouble. Historically, FBI protocol is that a defendant has, if he has no criminal history, is not believed to be violent or pose a threat to public safety, that he or she is permitted to self-surrender rather than subject um, dynamic execution of an arrest warrant. Stop right there. That's where you stop. But he did not stop. He kept talking. I'll play the full cut right here. Historically, FBI protocol is that a defendant has, if he has no criminal history, is not believed to be violent or pose a threat to public safety, that he or she is permitted to self-surrender rather than subject um, dynamic execution of an arrest warrant. And here's what I'm talking about is the dual system. You know, there's that for a pro-life activist, but not that for a Black Lives Matter protester who maybe torches a federal building um, over the summer. So that disparity, that dichotomy, is what sticks in people's mind. I understand that people have their opinions. Uh, all I can tell you is that we have one standard, one standard. Garbage. Uh, which is irrespective of ideology, of politics. In this country, it doesn't matter what you're upset about or who you're upset with, you don't get to express that upset with violence. And so we are agnostic as the ideology and focused on the violence. For even a white-collar arrest, there are situations where white-collar arrests have resulted uh, in shootings. So there's a whole lot of things that goes into the judgment about what is the way to conduct uh, arrests safely and securely that are made, I think, appropriately by the career agents on the ground who have the closest visibility to the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And the FBI has a long history of conducting those operations with a far better track record of safety than a lot of other agencies. Okay, classic leftist dodge. He lays it off on somebody else. It's not my job. There's a guy in the field. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, lording over the guys in the field. I'm going to let them do what they do. Then he presents the exception as the rule, right? Oh, we've had some white-collar ones go really bad. That's why we had to go in with the guns. I mean, we've had, we had one that went bad, so they might all go bad. He presents the exception as the rule, and then he repeats the lie. Now, he has his own way of saying it. Merrick Garland always says, oh, we look at it without fear or favor. Nobody believes that. Did he not say? He did. We're agnostic on ideology. Oh, we're looking for violence. If there's violence, we're cracking down. Really? Really? Do we have a bunch of BLM protesters who burned down buildings in jail for the violence that they perpetrated on the American public? I don't think so. Now, the Stand with Israel tour, I'm sure, will be a great time. But I need you today to stand with adultteenchallengeohio.org. We're finishing up the month of February. Say it's March, Bruce. Not today. Not here. It's, J- it's February 29th, okay? It's leap year. And I need you to take a leap of faith and support my friends 
at adultteenchallengeohio.org. We told them we would raise X amount of dollars. We have raised like one line of the X and like half the other line of the X, but we got like a little half of the line of the second X to fill in. So I need you to donate today, 614-697-2450, 614-697-2450. You can remember the 614 part. 697-2450, 697-2450, There you go. You should have it in your head. AdultTeenChallengeOhio.org. Again, they don't take state money. They can't because they share the love of Jesus with the women who are trapped in addiction. And they find that once those women realize, wait a minute, I'm trapped in addiction. You, I, I came from a degrading life situation, no self-esteem. And you're telling me that there's a God who created me and loves me and died for me on the cross and that all my sins are forgiven? Like, wow, I've never heard that message before. I've never seen it walked out by people before who are ministering to me and sacrificing for me on a daily basis. Well, once that connects, then all the disciplined regimens and routines that they also ingrain at adultteenchallengeohio.org take hold, and that's why they have a 78% success rate, which is 13 times industry standard. All these other programs wash out. 94% of the people in those programs relapse. Nope, not at adultteenchallengeohio.org. So come on, give what you can. Whatever you spend on coffee in a week, whatever you spend at dinner once a month, donate it to a great ministry right here in our community. It's not going to some national organization. It's going right here with Reverend Linda, Reverend Phil, and the women at adultteenchallengeohio.org. Okay. We have heard and heard and heard and heard about the terrain derailment in East Palestine, right? We all know what happened. Train two miles long, wheel bearing overheats, train derails, 11 cars carrying toxic chemicals. They incinerate the toxic chemicals, controlled burn, blah, 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 blah. Concerns, water. I don't mean like blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I mean, we've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. Sometimes when a big situation like this happens, and this is a huge situation, talking about it nationally, talking about it internationally. Yesterday on Fox, they were talking about it almost all day. But sometimes when a big story like this happens, there is a circumstance we've all taken for granted that someone will finally ask a question about, and everybody will just kind of look in stunned silence like, well, I don't know the answer to that question. Here's the question that nobody asked. Who ordered the controlled burn of the chemicals? Who ordered that? Right now, you might have in your head who ordered that, right? You might be thinking, well, Norfolk Southern ordered that. I mean, it's their chemicals. They're leaking out. They're the ones who said, hey, hey, this is really dangerous. We've got to do a controlled burn. You might be thinking, well, it's in Ohio. I mean, the governor ordered that, right? I thought the governor was involved in the announcement ah, anyway. Well, I mean, he may not involved, have made the decision, but. Involved. Notice I chose my words yes, carefully. Yes, you chose your words carefully. I did. <laughs> so I'm reading news accounts of this, and here's one that kind of, sort of, poses the question. It says, the decision was made to proceed with the recommended controlled burn. Okay, well, who made the decision? Another news account says, the analysis of what could happen if they allowed the chemicals to combust spontaneously the analysis was undertaken that resulted in the decision. All right, but who made the decision? Who said, yes, do it? I would think 
I know you probably haven't found this yet, but probably the local and state fire, the local fire department and the state fire marshal's office may have made some. Look at you. Wow. Well. Look at you. I thought it would be the EPA or FEMA or some federal agency. All right. The EPA guy yesterday, remember I told you Michael Regan was there yesterday? East Palestine. He says the order came from the East Palestine Fire Department. The EPA did not order the controlled burn. The local fire chief was the incident commander who made the decision in consultation with Norfolk Southern, local law enforcement, the response officials from Ohio. This seems whacked to me. But they're the ones that know what happens more than... uh, They don't know. We've been told... DeWine told us, J.D. Vance said this today. J.D. Vance said, you know, we got to get a new law where the local fire departments are told when the trains are coming through with the hazardous chemicals, and we want to have a an agreement, a working agreement, so the local fire departments are trained by Norfolk Southern or whatever railroad, so they know how to handle these things. They're I feel trained bad. at the state fire marshal's the, the, I can't think of the name of it. It's out there in Reynoldsburg. Maybe so, but the local fire guy in East Palestine's not trained in that. To lay this off on him, I think, is it may be true, but it's not how it ought to work, in my opinion. There should be a, somebody from the state fire marshal's office. Before you're going to blow this thing up like, you know, Hiroshima, the state fire marshal ought to be somebody who, I guarantee you, East Palestine fire chief, is he even a full-time guy? Maybe, maybe not. The mayor doesn't look like the typical small-town mayor. He doesn't look like a guy who's going to work every day like you know, like Mayor Andrew Ginther. Ooh, heaven forbid that. But I just thought this was interesting. Like The EPA says, and it wasn't even Michael Regan, it was an EPA spokesman, said, oh, the local fire chief made that decision. Now, the local fire chief, his name is Keith Dravick, did not comment on whether he was the incident commander or if he recommended the control burn or if he had the legal authority to do it. Now, Mike DeWine said last week that he and the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, conferred with representatives from the railroad who recommended the release. But again, I'm trying to get to the fact who said do it. Who are they waiting on to say, yeah, go ahead, do it. Ignite it, start it, go, do it. And we, it appears that this uh, Mr. Drabeck from East Palestine had the authority to do it, but he's not saying whether he did it or not. I bet not, because he doesn't want the people of the uh, city where he lives to blame him for whatever results from it. Again, it's easy to criticize because you don't know what would have happened had they not done what they did. Because what they did was done, we've been told, because it was the safer option. There was not a great option. You got vinyl chloride leaking out of rail cars. You've got a car full of plastics that the wheel bearing was so hot, the car became hot. It's all metal. And the plastics in that particular car, the one that derailed and started the whole mess, the plastics in that car caught fire. You've got leaking toxic chemicals and a fire already burning. It doesn't present you with a bunch of great options. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.